Would you stand with me so we can open with prayer? Father, we're so grateful and thankful to be here tonight and ask you to move in our midst. Lord, even according to your good pleasure, that you will have your way in every situation, everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me be sure and remind you to uh, be with us this Sunday. You can be seated. We're going to have a great time Sunday coming up. And uh, for at least the next, all in August, on Wednesday nights, I'll be teaching on kingdom principles. We'll start out, we'll kick it off. I said we're going to kick it off, but actually last Wednesday night, Pastor Tony did. And Pastor and I had been talking about this for some time, and we just sat there. I sat there with my mouth open, just, wow, how God did things to open things up. Because all along the way now, everything I hear, people are talking about kingdom. Now, years ago, in the, in the 90s anyway, some of you weren't even born yet, but in the 90s, it's the truth. <laughs> Anyhow, but in the, in the, um, there was a movement called Kingdom Now, and there was a lot of truth to the Kingdom Now messages that were being preached, and I preached some of them myself in that day and time. But in the Kingdom Now messages, they got over into some weirdo stuff, and and really began to pervert the message. And so it died out. You didn't hear anybody for a while talking about kingdom because they felt like they would be embarrassed if they started talking about kingdom and be linked into someone else. And so that made some changes. It's interesting to me in, in church, all facets of church and denominations have all these ideas and even ideologies that can hinder kingdom operation and what God wants to do. So we're going to talk about kingdom principles on the basis of knowing and living in the principles of the kingdom releases the power of the kingdom. So understanding what that means is, is where we're going to go for these next three, tonight and the next two Wednesday nights after. We're going to build on and hopefully ignite an attitude in a heart that will understand just what Jesus said. And from that's where we're going to build. So if you have your Bibles, uh, look them up. We're, we've got some scriptures up there. I'm actually going to give you some scripture references, but not go to them. I only have a few up there that they're going to go to. And we're going to do them even quick. So in knowing and living in the in the understanding of the principles will release the power of the kingdom. So we start off with then our declaration of the kingdom, first of all, is to keep Jesus at the center. And isn't it interesting that that's the very first part of our core values? But if we're going to live in kingdom mindset and kingdom principles, we have to acknowledge and understand that Jesus is king, therefore he is at the center. So our declaration is today, Matthew 3 and 2, John the Baptist just came out of the wilderness. He's come on the scene. And John the Baptist, first words out of his mouth, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Right off his message is repent. Turn from what you've been doing 
and go to what is happening, which is the kingdom of God is at hand. The next thing we see in Matthew 4 and 17, Jesus comes on the scene and he speaks, He says the very same thing. He speaks the very same. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is at hand. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that and, and having uh, grown up with an eighth grade English teacher that would uh, had this long paddle, and if you didn't memorize and understand how to do uh, sentences and what have you, you got to meet this paddle. And she was very meticulous at it in how she did it. So we learned a lot of things. So I learned how to diagram sentences, and I've got enough sense to know the kingdom of heaven is at hand means it's a right now thing. It's, a right, it's not coming. And I am I'm literally worn out with all of the people saying he's about to, he's fixing to, he's going to. It's coming somewhere, somehow. Do you know that that keeps you from having to make a commitment? Somewhere along the way, it's going to happen. Well, that's true about anything. That's not a great revelation. But a great revelation starts with Jesus and the kingdom is at hand. It is right now from the day he started. Isaiah has a great way of putting this in Isaiah 9 and uh, 6 and 7. Of course, it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And you read on down then, and it says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he'll be on the throne of David, and his zeal, God's zeal, will perform the increase of the government of Jesus the, the Lord himself, God himself, will be responsible for and delivering the increase of the government and peace. Now, that's important for the church. And when I say church, I don't mean just Christ church. I mean the church. And there, the church is made up in this community of mankind by people from all walks of life and really all denominations. But at the same time, in all denominations, there are people who are in church but not part of the church who attend and go through the motions but have never made Jesus Lord. So if you haven't made him Lord, you're not really a part of the church because he has to be Lord and he has to be king. You see, because in a kingdom you have a sovereign. And Jesus said in Matthew 24... And verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. This gospel, the good news of the kingdom. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he told them, go and preach, the kingdom is at hand. And he sent them with the understanding that if you will preach the kingdom is at hand, you will also demonstrate the kingdom principles that I have come to do. Because in, in Matthew 4, when I was talking, Jesus declared the kingdom is at hand and then began to heal and deliver everybody that was there. Now, 
we are in the time that we need to grasp this as a truth. The kingdom principles is where the king is. Everything we need exists. Okay? Now we're going to go on. That's, that's our, our declaration is the kingdom is at hand. So we need to look at our king. Well, 1 Timothy 1.17 makes this statement. Paul is writing to Timothy and he's basically um, signing off on this letter to the king eternal, immortal, invisible. To God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So our king, who is the our king? Well, I told you, unto us a child is born. You know, do you know who that is? Everybody who is here would know that that was Jesus. There are some who will be coming and they won't know that. So we have to demonstrate that. We have to let people know that we're talking about Jesus Christ. Psalms 10 is interesting. You see, because from the beginning of the thing, Psalms 10 and 16, the psalmist says, the Lord is king forever. The Lord. Well, we know the Lord being Jesus. And they won't put some of these up because I didn't put them down for them. Jeremiah 10, 16 and Zechariah both said, The Lord is king and the Lord is king everlasting. So the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament people, all understood that there is a king besides their physical king. And they realized that and they were to look and when they were living in the right principles, they understood that God is the ultimate king forever. They would mess up, they'd goof up, they'd, get, they'd fall away, they'd do all kinds of crazy things and they would tend to forget and that's, that's in fact how come they ended up begging for a king from Samuel and ended up with Saul. Because God intended always to be the king and to be the king over all. Now, Paul also wrote to, to uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 and 15, and he called him, he said, he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is at the center of the kingdom and of everything that is going on. In Revelation 19, at the end of the deal, it says then that, on his side was written a name, and it's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So out of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, we have an established truth that Jesus is the King forever. He is the King everlasting, and he is the Lord of Lords, and he is the Supreme. Now, here's some interesting things about him. And this is what I really am thrilled about because our king, this is our king. There's an old message from years ago a fellow preached. Our king, do you know him? Do you know him? Listen, he's indescribable. He's undeniable. There's no way you can, de you can deny him. He's plainly true, unquestionably genuine. He's undeniable. Now, there are people who to their own peril are denying him, but we cannot actually deny him because as the word of God says, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Paul said in Romans, and it's not in, it's, it won't be up. Paul said in Romans that 
having known God, refused to acknowledge him as God. I present to you that Paul is relating a truth that is missed by so many that is every human being born has a DNA potential of knowing God. That's why uh, people in uh, lost areas of the world, uh, what we call uh, unreached people groups, they will have some type of God. Every human being born of man knows that there is a supreme being of some sort. And Paul declared that this this is it. And when whenever Paul was preaching in uh, Athens, I believe it was, and he had all of these idols he, that were up there, and he said, I want to talk to you about this one. Paul didn't, didn't come against all their idols. He gave them the understanding of this one that says, to the unknown God. Let me tell you about him, because you see, he is undeniable. And it is awesome to understand he's unfailing. That means he's infallible. And he's inexhaustible. He's not going to wear out because we wear out. He's still going. He's inexhaustible. He's unfailing. He's unmatched and unparalleled. There is no equal to our God and our King. He's tremendous. He's awesome. He's wonderful. He's all-powerful, omniscient. He is everything and he is unending. He really has no beginning and no ending. We have the fleshly man who has a beginning at the birth and we have the fleshly man who has the ending at the crucifixion resurrection. But now we have the man, Jesus, who is at the right hand of majesty on high sitting there waiting. So he is unending and he is also unwavering. Our king. Our king has no fluctuation in his opinion or in his direction. It says, the, the, the scripture actually says that in him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If, if God turns, there's no shadow cast. Because he's absolute power and light. In fact, any of us, wherever God is, there are no shadows. Because his being permeates everything that we are. And it is a constant and it doesn't waver. And his opinion doesn't change. God has not changed his opinion about anything that is in this book. doesn't matter how man's opinions have changed. It doesn't matter, truthfully matter, how man has manipulated scriptures to make them sound like they want them to sound, to, give you an, to make you think that things are okay that never were okay. And they weren't okay from the very beginning. But our God is unwavering. He doesn't fluctuate in any way. So we understand Jesus is the king. He is at the center of all that we do. Now we are spirit-led people and we are so because Jesus said, I'm sending the comforter who will speak of me and he will lead and guide you into all truth. So what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's leading us more and more into an understanding of the viability of, the probability, 
the absolute truth that this thing really is a completed work. Now, this is where some might get a little rub, but it's still true. Psalm 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all that is therein. Everything, all the fullness that exists belongs to him because any king owns the whole realm. Everything you and I have, everything I have, everything I am, everything you are, it all belongs to him. Every bit of it. And he has made us and formed us and called us and put us in his kingdom. It is his business. It is his will. It is his plan that you live a life in him of greatness and goodness. And it isn't just his plan. If you read the scriptures correctly, if we will get into these kingdom principles and understand them even better than we have in the past, it brings us to the place that we understand we are actually a completed work. Colossians chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10 are tremendous. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him. All in him. We're going nine and ten. And you, that means you, that means me, are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He's the head of everything that is named. He's the head. He's the king. He owns it all. He did not relinquish the earth to the devil. Adam didn't either. Adam didn't hold title to the earth. Adam did not release title to the earth. Adam released his, his potential and his position. And the devil tricked him out of that. But God still holds it all. And he holds you in his hand. And then, therefore, if we are complete in him, the word complete can actually mean mature or perfected. We're perfected. Now, if you hang out with some of us, you'd wonder about that that part. Especially the mature part. You really don't look around too much, ladies. Don't look at your husbands. We all know anyway. But we are. And in fact, the whole of the creation is completed in him. And it was completed before the foundations of the world. The kingdom was established before Adam was made. The kingdom was perfected before Adam failed. Adam's failure didn't change the perfection of the kingdom. Adam's failure put us in a place of struggle but it did not change the fulfillment of God's purpose and plan that he had a completed work. That's why in in Genesis, it says that when God completed his work, he sat down. Then he taught the principle of a Sabbath. There's a day of rest. There's nothing that says God stood up. So now if we're looking at the king and the king has made a completed work 
And it says that he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Therefore, everything he went through and everything he accomplished was already accomplished in God's mind and in God's heart and in God's plan. So that when he finished his work, he said it is finished. He finished his part of that situation that would fulfill the call of God and what God said in making a completed work. So I want to propose to us tonight, us. I want to propose to us that we need to come to a point that we're going to change our vocabulary and our manner of speech. Well, I know he's able. Able to what? He's already done it. Well, I know God's able. He, he, not only is he able, he already did. It's completed. So if we continue to say, I know he's able, we leave a doubt in our heart and a doubt in our speech that says, but maybe he won't. But if we'll read what the scriptures say, if we'll learn the principles of what the word of God says, we'll come to the position and understand that he has already completed and done the work. He has made all things and by him all things exist for he is the creator of all things. He completed the work before the foundation of the world. He fulfilled that completion at Calvary and the resurrection to bring us back into him for we are redeemed. Let me tell you this too. Every human being ever born belonged to God. Everyone. From Adam on, every human being belonged to God. The problem wasn't that it belonged to God. The problem was man would not acknowledge him as God and man refused him. But he yet was still God and God was always reaching out to him. God reached out to mankind through Noah. Noah preached righteousness for a hundred and some years while he built the boat. Always giving an opportunity. Always calling on the people. Come to God. Come to who, who will help us. Come to him. It's time. Come to him. And it was a constant message for the hundred and some years that Noah built the ark. A preacher of righteousness. We'll get into that in a minute. But if all things are complete in him, then he's not only able, it's already done. That's why we can say, as Peter said, that by his stripes we were healed. Were meaning it's a done deal. We're not waiting on it to happen. I'm not waiting on healing to happen to me. I claim healing every day of my life. I do. And there are some rough days and some fighting days that we go through in the process of it. But the scripture is true and my body is the one that's doing the lying. Now that ain't fun. Do you realize that a lot of times you're living in a lying body? Because my feelings are not lining up with the word of God, therefore my feelings are lying. 
my physical situation is not lining up with the word of God. Therefore, if you will, for me, you can throw this out if you want to, but my body's trying to lie to me. And I have to bring my body under subjection to the king because the king eternal has already declared he redeemed me. See, when mankind fell, when mankind messed up, when mankind goes astray, when mankind does his stupidity, Jesus came and redeemed us. We were already, we already belonged to God. Otherwise, it's not a redemption. It's a rescue. If we already belong, then he has to buy us back or take us back, then that's a redemption. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And the curse of the law is sickness, disease, poverty, on and on and on. You can name a bunch of them. But he has redeemed us from the curse of the law and began to move in our hearts and in our lives in a tremendous manner. Because if everybody belongs to him, but they won't receive him, now he's redeemed them, they're lost. Many of you have probably seen the Facebook posts about God sending people to hell. Why does a good God send people to hell? And the answer is always is he doesn't. Because he's a choice. We can serve one of two masters. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he said, you're of your father, the devil. The prince and power of the air. Might I add hot air. Anyway, he's the, he's the prince and power of the air. And he is a deceptive foe that is working overtime because he knows his time is running out. But we have been redeemed from him by Jesus Christ. So we are not only did we belong to him in our birth, we belong to him now because we chose to live in him. And the interesting part of that is he chose us before we ever chose that because he chose us in him also before the foundation of the world. We just got smart enough to accept it and receive him. That is those of us who did. So in, in the process of this thing we're looking at, he has completed his work. He has made a way, in fact, as, as it says, made a way where there seems to be no way. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to grasp this. Verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, Paul talking to the church at Ephesus, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being lightened, the eyes of your understanding, that you can understand what you're looking at, but you can only understand what you're looking at by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, and by the way, Ephesus was a tough place. Diana was the goddess of the Ephesians and she had been summarily booted 
by Paul and the others who had come to Ephesus. And she wasn't thrilled about it, the demon, the goddess. She wasn't happy about it at all. Ephesus was a dark place. Ephesus was similar to what you're looking at now. The debauchery, the sexual immorality, the entire thing of temple prostitutes. Ezekiel even saw it in his day. And he prophesied about it, looking into the holy place and the evil that had gotten into the holy place. I'm talking about why we're reading Ephesians. I watched the other day, uh, there's, a, there's a preacher named Jack Hibbs. Jack's at Chino Hills, California, and a tremendous. I, I encourage you to look him up on YouTube if you want. He had uh, a gentleman on his called Happening Now program. That was Emir, and I can't remember his last name. He's part of the Jewish, uh, the Jewish uh, army and the whole of the issue and what's going on. And he began to share what's happening in Israel. And the very same thing that's going on in our government is going on in Israel. The very same challenge against Netanyahu is happening with backdoor things happening, going on, with all kinds of trickery, with all kinds of deception, and every part of it is to overthrow, and it's not just there. He said it, it's happening in Brazil, and some of you might be following what's going on in Brazil, and it's happening all over the world. It is the prince of darkness working overtime to thwart everything that God said God's going to do. But how many of you know who wins this deal? Do you really? Because I just now got through saying he's unwavering. And if it's a finished work, a completed work, then he's going to do everything he said he's going to do. But these things are going on around the world. It's not just here. But it is similar to what was happening in Rome, what was happening in Ephesus, and what was happening in Corinth. The Christian community had come on the scene, and in a matter of a few short years, and, and in time of man, 10, 20, 30 years is a few short years. In a matter of a few short years, even up to 60, 70 years, the, the church had multiplied dramatically throughout the entire known world at that time. And everywhere the church existed, it became a challenge to the demonic principalities that had held those regions. You and I live in a realm right now where the demonic thinks they've got it all together. But you and I, the church, are the very force that is holding back the very evils of darkness and keeping the Antichrist from showing up on the scene fully and holding back the full judgments because while we're here, these things are going to do what they're going to do, but God's still going to show himself dramatic. He's going to show himself phenomenal. He's going to show himself terrific. And he's going to show himself as all-powerful. All-powerful. And he's working at it right now. And I say that, and it's, it's interesting that I say that because, you see, our human manner of speech says things like he's working. We sing the song, he's still working. Well, what's he working on at a completed work? How is it that if we say it's completed, he's still working? 
There's an answer. I'm going to give it to you. And Charlie said, good. Because we sing the song. You may not see it, but he's still working. He sent his word. When God said, light be, light never ceased to be. When he said, plants be, some species of plants have stopped, but plants never have, and they continue to grow. When he set the animals after their kind, even in Noah, and they rescued two out of each thing, and the animal kingdom is continuing to grow, continuing to multiply, albeit not evolutionary-wise, but they're continuing to multiply after their kind. Because when God said it, it released it, and that word never was withdrawn. So then God says to Israel, I'll be a father to you. I'll, I'll be your God, and you will be my people. He has never withdrawn that promise. Although Israel has messed up on many times, and Israel has caused great conflict, he is still calling them his jewel, his own. But then he sent Jesus, who redeemed you and I from the curse of the law, who brought us into himself, who has set us free, who has moved in our lives in a great manner, and he still is doing what he's doing. And when he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, he meant it. Every word that you read, especially in red, but every word you read in this book is a working word. It is a foreknowing, a for guiding word. Jesus, when he was tempted, uh, Satan tried to get him to say something. He said, listen, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, God's proceeding word we have written in a book. And that word proceed until it is complete, is still proceeding, it's never been withdrawn. So when he says, ask, it'll be given. Seek, you'll find. Knock, and it'll be open. Ask. Somebody needs to be knocking on some doors. Somebody needs to be asking. Somebody needs to be seeking. What are you seeking? A revelation of what this word says so I'll understand it. I'm asking Holy Spirit, lead and guide me into all truth of the proceeding word of God that has to do with this situation that I'm presently seeing myself in because according to your word, it's already a completed deal. So how do I apply the completion to my present? How do I pull out of the atmosphere of heaven that which is already mine and deliver it into myself today and release it into the world around me and let the kingdom principles of a completed work work through me in the manner, God, that you have said you wanted me to be? we got to let it work because the word is the part that is still working. And it's only working because we're not understanding. It, it, it only has to work on the basis of we've got to get the understanding of it because once it was sent out, it was a completed thing. 
So we come to an understanding. So he says, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The king now. The king owns it all. Therefore, he has established himself and the responsibility to see that we have provision. He has committed himself and declared himself to be responsible for our protection. He, the king. The king established the throne. The king establishes the walls of protection. The king establishes the resources of provision. The king establishes the peace and the health and the prosperity. The king establishes the finances. He establishes everything. That's why the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy. This is just what pastor taught the other day. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why we need to understand in righteousness. I cannot do one thing to make myself righteous. I can act a fool. I can, be, I can do things that are unrighteous. But on my worst day, I am still the righteousness of God in Christ because I belong to him. Not because I got it all right, but because he did. And he chose me in him. So I am the righteousness of God in Christ at all times. Now, I give a bad witness. I make things look foolish. I speak things I ought not speak. I point my finger out my windshield. Not that it matters because they can't see me in my windshield anyway. But it makes me feel like I've accomplished something. You know that feeling, don't you? See, that's who we are. That's where we are. But we are the righteousness of God in Christ because his kingdom is righteousness. What does that mean? It's in right standing with the Father at all times. He has made us righteous. He redeemed us. He gave us his blood covering, and he made us righteous. Therefore, in righteousness... We should walk in peace. The only reason you and I don't walk in peace in this hour is our choices. Because the kingdom that is presently with us at hand is filled with peace. If we understand everything I've just said about his provision, his, his plan, his goodness, his mercy, his faithfulness, everything that he is, if I will understand it completely and trust it wholeheartedly, which is why Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Now, I don't know about you, but the, the whole of the earth is in a turmoil right now. But the church shouldn't be. We have sure words of prophecy from prophets recently. And by the way, those prophecies line up with this prophecy. 
If they didn't, I'd tell you so. Okay? So understand that. And these prophecies are leading us to a point. There is a time of uh, renewal in this nation, but I'm going to tell you this. It's a short window. It's a short window. But in that short window, God is going to redeem by the millions upon millions the people that will come to him. Now that doesn't mean the darkness is going to go away. But I do believe that it means the kingdom is going to finally stand up and start talking. The kingdom's going to finally stand up and start living kingdom principles to manifest this is what this kingdom is about, which Jesus said, if I be lifted up, which is lifting up kingdom principle, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Now, we know by revelations that all men are not going to come, but we do know by revelations that millions are coming. We do know by revelation that China's going to suffer a major destruction. We know by revelation, we know by the scriptures of prophets that Gog, Magog, Meshach, Tubal, all of these places which, which constitutes Russia, the former Soviet Union areas, all of those regions that are on the map are all going to come to a battle. They're going to have a battle. But they're going to lose. They're going to lose. And we know that because the book tells us that. And if you study the book, you'll find out what he's talking about. And all of the things you're seeing right now that are going on are all part of the book. Now, God set it into motion. Satan has perverted many things, but God still wins. So we have righteousness and we have peace if we will depend on and not lean on our own understanding, but depend on and lean on God and his promises. Years ago, as a young boy, we used to sing the song in church, every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting in his love divine for every promise in the book is mine. So we have peace in God. The peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that promises to keep our hearts and mind if we will look to him. And the only reason we get out of peace is we take our focus off of Jesus. Remember, Jesus must be held at the center and we must be led of the Spirit in order to know that and stay in that because it's a constant basis of Holy Spirit having to remind me that I'm in Christ and he's in me and his love is real. And he hasn't turned his back, nor hid his face, nor has he denied his church. He intends to, will absolutely complete what is already completed. But the only reason he can't complete it is our incomplete understanding. So we won't understand the completed work of the completed God. And if you followed that, you're wonderful. But if you didn't, go back and look it up on YouTube and see if you can follow it again. The reason we get in a mess is we fail to remember it's a completed work and God's already done it. Then we go into, well, what do I have to do? Yeah, it works. 
What do I have to do? I have to believe on God. Well, I was dealing with a couple one time. Guys were arguing about things like I'm talking about right now. And one of them said, well, you got to do this. You got, I mean, you, you got to be praying. You got to be reading your Bible. You got to be doing this. You got to be giving. You got to be, and you got to, got to, got to. And this other guy said, well, no, no, no. And this is a true story. And the other guy said, well, you know, yeah, but we really need to be just doing this. We need to be giving out into the community. We need to be reaching out into the people we need to. And, and they were actually arguing to the point of about to come to blows. It's amazing, isn't it, how God still loves us when we're so stupid? So I happened to walk in to the room where they were having this argument. And I said, isn't it a wonderful thing? And they looked at me like I jumped off the tater truck. What are you talking about? God said he chose the simple things to confound the wise. And you, you guys have become so wise you can't see the simple. So that in your wisdom you're acting like a simpleton. And they were both bigger than me. And they were about to come to blows. Therefore, I smiled and turned and exited. But we need to understand that. He's already done everything he's going to do. So you don't have to say, well, he's able. We have to say it's a done thing. We got a dear friend. We're praying for a grandson right now. Same kind of deal. I'm, I'm constantly praying, Lord, reveal to them your completed work through this boy's name. Reveal to them your completed work and draw them back into a peaceful relationship with you. Because righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is what this kingdom's about. And we're not, we're not just talking about ha-ha joy. We're talking about joy that is deep, deeply embedded in our system. It's in fact, righteousness, peace, and joy is in fact in our DNA. Because we have the DNA of God, righteousness, peace, and joy is in our DNA. And Sherry and I were sitting today, uh, I had finished up some stuff and we were sitting there and I just found this... Uh, YouTube thing about this woman named Jeannie Robinson. And when I saw the name, I thought it was the one that used to be with uh, James Robinson. But it wasn't. It, it was a comedian, and she's hilarious if you want to have a good laugh. You know. Okay. Uh, she's hilarious. Uh, she's, I think, deceased now. But at any rate, watching it, it's just, we, we just laugh. Everybody needs to laugh. I heard Kenneth Copeland say one time he was in such a state. He was just a mess. He was upset about stuff. He didn't know why he was upset about stuff. And Gloria comes along and he said, you need to laugh. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're the head of a multi. 
million dollar ministry and you're doing some tremendous things around the world and this woman's telling me I need to laugh? And she said, yes. Kenneth, you need to laugh. You need to laugh. You need to go down the hallway and holler, ha, ha, devil, ha, until you start laughing. Because you've got to break this spirit because the work is done. You've got to break this spirit off of you and you'll only do it by the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. So you need to start laughing. So it made him mad which is no surprise to me because it would have made me mad that my wife had the audacity to tell me to do that. So being all, you know, you understand the term bulled up? Yeah, well, somebody does. Anyway, so he, he said, but I, I was walking down the hall and I was all bulled up and I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And it wasn't, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. It was, wait a minute. And he said, all right. Gloria, I'm going to do it. So he started in. Ha, ha, devil. And he said, it took a while. Because he said, I felt like an idiot. And I said, look like an idiot. We always feel like idiots. When we're acting like idiots, it's common to feel like an idiot. And until you whip the idiot in you, you're still going to feel like an idiot. So he had to ha-ha until he ha-ha'd himself right out of the funk and got himself right into where he needed to be, reestablishing his heart in the joy of the Lord. In the joy of the Lord. Now, I, I counsel people. I've talked to people over the years. I said, look, if nothing else, watch Barney Fife for a little while. Find something, and if not that, watch Tim Conway play a dentist. I mean, find something natural that you can laugh at to break the spirit that is working against you. Because the kingdom of heaven is joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why people get all upset about Rodney Howard Brown when he started that laughing back in the, the early 90s. No, 80s. And when that started busting out all over, I mean, he was started at Carpenter's Home Church down in, in Florida and a tremendous move of God. So we had people in our, come to our church in Johnson City and they asked me, why are we not laughing? I said, well, you tell me. I laugh all the time. No, you know what I mean. Why are we not laughing like they're laughing? I said, well, that's your problem. Well, what do you mean? I said, if you want to laugh in the Holy Ghost, laugh. If the Holy Ghost, who is with you all the time, is in you, he's desiring you to enjoy life, then laugh. Well, I don't know. I said, that's the problem. So Sunday came along, Sunday morning church. I was just talking kind of normal. And the next thing I know, the very one that asked me the question and gave me such a hard time started laughing and rolled right down in the floor. And her husband sitting right beside her, he thought, and the next thing you know, he's doing the same thing. You see, because God knows how to break us out of us if we will allow him to by his Holy Spirit in us. 
to fulfill his desire for us and see everything accomplished in and through us that he has always said will happen. So what you and I can do right now is rejoice in the Lord because whatever he has set for us to do, we can start right now to do it. And we got to stop waiting. Well, you know, it's got to, no, it doesn't. Nothing has to happen except you and I believing. Only believe. All things are possible to those who believe. That's all we got to do. Well, that doesn't sound too hard. Not until you get stuck in a problem. But only believe. Only. Pastor, you want to say anything? That's all you want to say? I'm good. Got through that one. I can come back. Okay. That's it. We have a king. His name is Jesus. We have a loving God who is our father. God owns it all, including us. These are principles. God has established it all for, in, and through us if we'll hold fast to it. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to be a citizen of this kingdom and move in it more and more and more. While the darkness of this kingdom is raising its head, the light of his kingdom is shining brighter and brighter and brighter until the noonday as the day star arises in our hearts and brings us to fullness. Father, we thank you. I hope you've spoke through me to them and it's been understood. Bless and keep us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you.